Good afternoon, Rich Ness, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media, along with my partner in crime, Brandon Lewis, Technology Editor for Embedded Computing Design for this week's Embedded Insiders. Hello, Brandon. Howdy, Rich. How are you doing? I am doing just fine, just fine. So, big day today. Do you know what today is? I do not. What is today? Are you kidding me? You don't know what today is? This is like when your wife comes to you and says, Honey, do you know what today is? You have to have an answer. Well, if she did that, I would just say it's our anniversary. It's just need Bingo! <laughs> it's, it's my three-year anniversary with Open Systems Media today. I've oh. been here for three years. Wow, congratulations. So people all over the world, the default answer should be anniversary to any question. <laughs> <laughs> anniversary and then run out and get flowers, right? Right, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah in the mail, Rich. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. It's been a very interesting three years, um, but I don't think the folks want to hear about my three years. So I think what folks would like to hear about is um, you were in San Diego this week, and I bet you had some interesting meetings. Tell me about them. Yeah, so the first one um, was with a longtime PC-104 board manufacturer, uh, ADL Embedded Solutions. And really, the thrust of that meeting had to do with the shrinking margins in the, um, in the board business, as well as uh, some of the fierce competition and complexity of the military and aerospace and defense market that they've traditionally served, and how they're able to spin um, both of those uh, legacy expertise, uh, areas of expertise, into uh, industrial computing solutions for the IoT, particularly at the MIST level. So if people are uh, familiar with uh, the edge, um, the cloud, the fog in between. Um, Mist sort of sits between the fog, which I guess you would think of as a gateway layer, um, and the edge. So it's really putting uh, compute um, at the edge or as close to the edge as possible. And they've got some interesting solutions there um, uh, that have, you know, a wide range of I/O and uh, varying processing uh, processing capabilities. Uh, largely based on Intel, that uh, could really start ad advancing some of these high-value uh, high industrial IoT deployments. The okay, hang on a second. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. The mist layer, is that what you said? Yes, mist. So, and um, the mist where is, is that? We have a fog, we have an edge, we have a cloud. What the heck is the mist lever, layer? What does that mean? So if you're talking about a fog network, you're really talking about, um, you know, at the gateway level and below, um, networking all of the devices that are there. The mist has to do really with closer to being on the device itself. So when you're talking about putting intelligence into the mist, you're really talking about either on the edge node, on the edge processing, you know, edge sensor node, um, or very, very close to it. So, you know, maybe there's a, an IPC that's uh, handling, uh, you know, an array of sensors on, you know, some machines on a plant floor. That, that's pretty much the highest level of, of mist. Um, then you go down to actually putting it on, putting the compute on the asset itself. So you've got some, you know, turbine or something. Um, then, and computing, I don't know how many revolutions per minute or just stuff like that. Um, that's the mist area. So yeah, we've got a whole lot of different types of precipitation going on in the IoT. 
Is this a necessary layer, in your opinion? I don't know that it really matters uh, that there's a distinction. Um, you know, I, I, I'd soon enough just call it, uh, call it the edge or an edge network. Um, but if we're going to have the fog and the cloud, then we might as well keep the analogies going. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just trying to visualize where exactly this mist sits, and does it just add a, a layer of complexity that we don't really need? Well, I mean, I think it's important to distinguish that um, there has to be lower level intelligence than at the fog network. You know, if you think about the fog network, you're really thinking, like I said before, about get, you know, gateway class devices and what they um, orchestrate. Um, but intelligence really in the context of IoT needs to go lower than that um, down to the node. Um, you know, depending on what the application is, you don't want to put like a core processor and a Cortex-A application processor down there, but there does need to be some level of, uh, of, of compute and intelligence down there. And there also no, does need to be a little, a little bit of networking. Um, you know, you, you typically think that edge nodes are going to be connecting back up into the gateway independently, um, but there are, you know, each of them independently. But there are situations where, you know, you could have these edge networks uh, that are networked together and potentially, um, you know, pass intelligence back and forth between each other before going into a centralized gateway. That's pretty much where the mist would reside. But like I said before, I don't really know that uh, the marketing term carries a, you know, a whole lot of changes much of anything. Sort of sounds like a, a dumb fog. Yeah, it's a, it's a lower level fog. Okay. All right, whatever. What's next? What's after the mist? I don't know what else do you do besides between mist, fog, rain. I don't know. Yeah, right. So if, if, it, if it was smarter than mist, it would be rain. Well, if it's dumber than mist, it'd be a puddle, I think, uh, or maybe. But dew. look out for the sleet layer. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, you well, you. And what else did you learn? Um, the next thing is, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this because I think that this is going to. Um, really start to transform industrial IoT because it adds another layer of control that people dealing with safety critical and high value assets are going to be are going to want um, and that is private LTE networks so I've met with Qualcomm and what they're investigating is the possibility of you know deploying a private LTE network which isn't necessarily a new concept um, but deploying those right into a into a, a plant or a, you know a, a factory, and what this theoretically would enable is that say you have a facility that has on-premise servers, um, has their own dedicated uh, LTE uh, networking equipment, so it's basically like a base station, or it could be a virtualized uh, virtualized network running on a on a base station elsewhere. Um, with that sort of resource at your disposal, you know, you, you A, don't have to send uh, data back across uh, the main network, which has security implications. It also uh, makes sure that you're always going to have an insured level of uh, bandwidth um, at, at your disposal. And 
then you have obviously the sensor nodes that are within your facility itself. So it's sort of like a self-contained Internet of Things. Um, you typically when you think of Internet of Things, you think of my, at least my mind goes into these huge, like, okay, we've got these, all of these sensors at the edge, and then we have to go onto the main network uh, using the core infrastructure, and then we go into the cloud somewhere in some data center that may be public. Um, but with having a private uh, LTE network, um, you know, you can have it all contained within one specific facility. Well, the first thing I thought of is that it sounds super expensive, and there's probably e easier ways to do it. But you're saying that the, har the hardware, the gateway, the transceivers are already on the premises? It could be on-premise, on or it could be virtualized um, in an existing gateway. So, you know, you would just isolate it. You know, in the embedded context, we would think of virtualization through something like a hypervisor. Um, just same concept. You just spin it out onto a main a portion of a, of a public uh, base station and just allocate all of those resources to, you know, facility A on the corner. Sure seems like overkill for something you could do with a, a local area network. Yeah, but um, you don't necessarily have the performance, reliability, etc., that is guaranteed um, on a LAN, especially if you, you know, especially if you're putting it in yourself. Uh, that's that's ensured when you have um, an LTE class deployment. So you know the the quality of service. Say that an Ericsson comes in, or, or maybe in this case, it may be like a Honeywell or a GE or some or a Siemens who's installing this industrial grade LTE network. Um, you know, you you really have this dedicated, proven um, networking technology that resides that that's yours. Um, and where it starts to get even more interesting to me is that I just wrote a column on this, and I, I I'm kind of backtracking on what I wrote in the column, which was that 5G doesn't really impact the Internet of Things or won't transform it, uh, at least right now. With 5G, um, you're talking about millisecond latencies. Um, or the potential for millisecond latencies. So if you have an on-premise uh, LTE network that has millisecond latencies, you're able to actually start doing a lot of command and control um, on things like automated guided vehicles, some robotic systems, uh, stuff that's typically safety critical. Hmm. All right, I guess I'll have to think more about that. But I, you know, I. I still think that some of these vendors just like to, to add hardware and processing into the mix, and it, it, it just makes a simple problem not so simple. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, with the, uh, with the industrial IoT, I think it's, it's, it was always going to be slower to move. Um, but one of the reasons it was going to be slower to move is that you, you don't really want to connect that that really high-value assets, safety-critical assets, a lot of your IP, a lot of the data that's coming off of, off of these systems to anything else, but you still do need, need the networking. Um, and if it's a fairly large uh, facility, um, using LTE could be you know, a viable alternative where you know, you're able to have wireless deterministic uh, communications to over a you know, sizable area um, you don't have to take the information outside ever into a pu into the public sphere where it could be hacked or it could be 
uh, you know, leaked or whatever have you. Um, so I think it's an interesting value prop. It's obviously not, it's not the end-all, be-all. It, it doesn't apply in every single scenario. But I think, you know, for a lot of the – like imagine a, um, an oil and gas, like an oil platform out, out at sea. I could see that being a, a, a viable use case. I was thinking about a hospital. Yeah, that's another good one. Um, you know, uh, they're actually in Tucson where my uh, family lives. There's the largest uh, single-story hospital in the United States, and the reason I know that is because I had to go to the bathroom and I couldn't find a, find a restroom, and I was running down the, down the halls. But yeah, I mean, that's another that's another use case. Okay, I uh, thank you for the little anecdote there. It's too much information. I'm sorry. Too much information. Okay. Uh, are there multiple vendors involved in this? And I, I know we're running up against the clock here. Are, th are there multiple vendors who are in this, or is, is it just Qualcomm? So Qualcomm's obviously supplying some of the networking technology that's uh, going to that could could potentially go into these uh, LTE base stations. And then you're looking at um, in the industrial sense, like I said, you're probably looking at. Uh, an, an OEM like a Siemens or a GE or a Honeywell to actually do it in the industrial environment, um, just sort of the way that CSPs have done this, um, or I guess network equipment vendors have done this in the past, like the likes of Ericsson's. Um, they're obviously not the only um, company, uh, they being Qualcomm, that could create such, uh, such a system or contribute to such a system. But right now, the um, important uh, organizations that are involved are actually a couple of standards organizations. Uh, one of them is uh, CBRS at Citizens uh, Broadband Radio, Radio Services Service, um, and they're looking at. Let me look at my notes. Um, there's a 150 megahertz of shared spectrum in the 3.5 gigahertz range um, that's becoming available for these types of deployments, and then the other uh, organization that's more global is called. Multifire, and I believe Multifire is looking at a unlicensed, uh, the use of unlicensed spectrum uh, for some of these types of applications. And what's a potential timeline for this? Um, well, let's see. Let me go back into my notes. Uh, trials in early 2018. Okay. Trials in early 2018. All right. Well, uh, you know, it's nice to make predictions like that because nobody's going to remember your predictions. So if you're wrong, nobody's going to know. Yeah, and you know what? I'd like to take a shot here at all of the research firms in our space. Does anybody ever go back and, and actually quantify their, their predictions about anything? Because we're getting closer to 2020, and all of these 50 billion, 100 billion connected devices, um, predictions that have been made over the last few years, I, I'm going to keep this on my radar and come back and call some people out. Well, you know, they only come back when they were right. <laughs> right. I, you know, I, I think I'm going to take it upon myself to hold them accountable and let the world know that, about the ones who are wrong. As long as we can hold you accountable, then that's fine. Uh, I got to go. <laughs> All right. That's enough for this week. It's Brandon Lewis on his trip to San Diego. He didn't mention anything else about San Diego, so I'll assume it was just work, 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 right? Uh, yes, it was just tireless, up, you know, up late, up early, uh, working all the whole time. Very good, as it should be. Okay. All right, Brandon, have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. 
That was Brandon Lewis, Technology Editor for Embedded Computing Design, and I'm Rich Nass, and this is this week's Embedded Insiders.